Welcome to the Spirited Advocate podcast, brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States, the leading voice for the distilled spirits industry. Now your host, Chris Wonger. Hello, Spirited Podcast viewers. Thank you for joining us. Look, there's a lot going on in the world, and uh, we are lucky to have Alex Alvarez, the Senior VP, Chief Production and Sustainability Officer for the great company of Brown Foreman. Uh, great American company, obviously located in Louisville, and they make uh, great brands like, of course, uh, Woodford Reserve and Jack Daniels and so forth. And it's a real privilege to have Alex uh, be, on, be on the podcast because uh, there's a lot going on in the world, certainly as it relates to supply chain issues and challenges for everybody in the industry, and not only our industry, but many industries across across many, many sectors, but also uh, something that I'm particularly passionate about, and I think uh, is an opportunity, great opportunity for our industry, sustainability. So Alex, let me uh, first and foremost, welcome and thank you for joining us. Would you mind just telling us a little bit about, about your background? You have served on the Brown Foreman Executive Leadership Team since 2014. So tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll go from there. So first, thank you, Chris, for inviting me to chat with you. Uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be a pleasure to talk about all these issues, uh, supply chain and sustainability and BF and my passion for manufacturing. So all of it is keeping me busy. Um, so as you said, I, I'm, I lead uh, Brown Foreman's Global Production and Sustainability and uh, I've been in the spirits industry now for 14 years. So a little bit of background. Uh, I'm an electrical engineer. I went to Iowa State University, uh, but I am originally from Panama. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm a little ways from home. Yeah. And, uh, and then I have an MBA from Northwestern. Now, I am a manufacturing nerd, though. So I work for B&G and I work for General Mills, always at a plant, always at a manufacturing facility. And uh, really the first role that I've ever had outside of being at a plant is my current role as the chief production officer. Um, so I love manufacturing. I've always been in manufacturing. I got into the spirits business because a former boss of mine and also a mentor uh, came to work for Brown Foreman and he recruited me out of General Mills. And um, so it's been 14 years, outstanding 14 years. Let me say this, and all of you that listen probably know this, making Jack Daniels is definitely a lot more fun than making shampoo or cereal. So, no no so doubt. This is, it's, it's an awesome industry and an awesome company. But Alex, both of the, the General Mills, obviously, your time in Iowa, agriculture has been key in your experience, and it's it's central and key, certainly, in making great uh, Brown Foreman whiskey as well, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, so the, so if you think about agriculture as a component of um, the spirits industry, you know, I, I tell people, hey, we are farmers, too, right? So it requires us great water, great soil for great grains, great wood in, in order for us to make the whiskey. And then, of course, amazing distillers. Um, so, so being yeah, agriculture and having an agricultural tie is very important to us. Very important. And Alex, uh, somebody told me this once, and uh, 
uh, it's just stuck in my head. It's very simple. Uh, could you elaborate on this? Tell me if I'm right or wrong. Uh, does sustainability equal profitability? Sustainability. Sustainability obviously is a broadly used term, but it can it can it be a profit driver for great businesses like uh, Brown Foreman? So, so let me answer it a different way. To say, I don't believe that you can be profitable without being sustainable. Yeah. So, um, and there's many ways that you can look at sustainability, and you know, if you look, I'm going to call it with a big S of ESG. You know, so you got to care about the communities that you work on. You got to care about the people that you work with, and you got to care about the environment that you work in, right? So you have to care about all of that from the big sustainability S. But then if you focus on environmental sustainability, which is what I'm responsible for, it's even more important because think of everything that we do requires a resource. So if you overuse something or if you throw away something, you are creating waste and you are adding cost. So from a very, very simple business perspective, you have to be sustainable in order for you to have long-term profits, to have great margins, and to ensure that you're delivering what the shareholder returns and what the consumers expects, right? So don't know if that answers your question, but that's how I view it. And that's how we view it at Ralph Lauren. Absolutely. And look, this is this might be a silly question, but is sustainability a newfound phenomenon for Brown Foreman or Brown Foreman's been committed to this? Obviously, certainly in the last 14 years, you've been with the company. Yes. Well, I mean, we're, we've been around for 100, over 150 years, right? And uh, so, so for us, sustainability has been part of Brown Foreman way before sustainability was even a thing. Uh, so if, if you think about the connection with the Brown family and for Brown Foreman. And, uh, you know, they were farmers uh, in addition to being distillers. So again, this whole connection to farming is very important because you have to care about the future and about your resources in order for you to be successful. So, I mean, we were um, dealing with uh, the use of stillage, which is the byproduct of our distillation and using it as cattle feed way before we ever talked about whether stillage was good or bad or it was the right thing to do because it was a discharge that you could use to feed the cattle that you had. And we do this today uh, all around our manufacturing facilities. You know, at, at Jack, that's how, that's how we deal with most of our stillage. And um, same thing with our barrels. You know, so we have a byproduct of our production, which is used barrels. So ensuring that 100% of our used barrels are either recycled or reused by selling it to other spirits manufacturers or by turning them into planters um, is the right way for us to deal with that byproduct. It's good business. Absolutely. Uh, and and so, so for us, we've been doing this forever. And, and that's kind of how we run it. And Brown Foreman just announced uh, recently, right, uh, some new commitments on uh, sustainability as well. Could you elaborate on that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, for the last year, I've been working with an amazing team on it. And, um, you know, for us, it's a roadmap for figuring out and advancing sustainability. Um, how do we reduce our footprint? How do we increase Brown Foreman's positive impact on both the communities that we work and the environment um, that we work in? So um, we have these new commitments. They're aligned with the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. 
Also with industry best practices. So we've, we've used Discuss, SWA and other industry partners to understand what they are, as well as with current climate, cha um, climate change science. So we look at all of those factors in order for us to create those, um, that, that those goals. And it also broadens our focus. So before we were really internally focused on the things that we control, you know, manufacturing and how do we manage our internal operation. Now we've extended that to look at supply chain from end to end uh, and figure out how do we impact that and how do we minimize our impact. So in addition to our goals of having our greenhouse emissions by 2030 and becoming net zero by 2045, also conserving water and working on watersheds. I mean, as, as I said earlier, water is really important for us. We also have commitment supporting sustainable agriculture, commitment supporting forestry, white oak. It's an integral part of our production systems. And then also circular economy. So it's not only the waste that we generate, but it is how our products and our businesses run in a circular way. That's amazing. And thank you. And congratulations for Brown Foreman's leadership. Uh, a couple of things. Sidebar, Alex, uh, as, as I know you follow the news and you're probably in the, in the thick of it. Uh, the world has been struggling with supply chain challenges, not only for our industry, but across across every sector. Uh could you really? Just, uh, yeah, I, I had no idea. You didn't, you, you didn't notice. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting. I was with uh, some of my trade association peers uh, just about three or four weeks ago uh, uh, from the food and agriculture components, and they're struggling mightily as well. And the alarming thing about uh, one of the subject items that came up during that discussion is none of them see a light at the end of the tunnel meaning uh, this could be a challenge for everybody uh, for some time to come. Uh, could you just give us your perspective on that and what the industry could or should be doing uh, to navigate that? Well, I, I want to say a, a couple of things. As you said, it's, it's not just us or the spirits industry is impacting everybody. And, and uh, before we started the podcast, I was mentioning, I think it was in late June, the New York Times came out came out with an article that says, you know, that uh, when the U.S. ran out of everything, or sorry, it was when the world ran out of everything, right? Yeah. And and uh, that's exactly it. We because of um, increased demand, so you know, we have everything, all consumers, and uh, in general, supply chains of the world accelerated after COVID and things starting opening and people went out and they decided that they wanted to spend the money that they have saved during COVID and uh, has created an increase in demand that nobody was planning. And because of the short cycle or uh, the way that- is, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, so so we, we, we tried to keep low inventories and everybody had decreased their inventories. Again, across everything, so nobody's expect, expected that demand, all of inventories are down. And then now everybody's trying to produce not only to make up the new invent, to the new inventory needs, but also to the new demand. And that I'm going to call it doubling effect is having a huge impact. The it other was, thing. Yeah, I, it was interesting. I was at a, a luncheon with the Secretary of Commerce. She was just talking about the, the challenges with semiconductors, right? And the chips 
just for automobiles, right? So no industry is immune from some of these challenges and the same applies for, for our great industry, right? And, and that is the perfect example, right? So things shut down, demand increase, and there was an offset of when the manufacturers of chips began versus when the car manufacturers began. And now you, it's going to take a bit for it to sink. So if I think in terms of Brown Foreman, you know, we're seeing you know, strong headwinds on, on this, this first half. First half. Um, we believe that the second half or the next year, things are going to get better, but it's not going to be smooth. We're going to see disruptions due to transportation. We're going to see disruptions due to material availability. We're going to see spikes in, uh, in materials, right? So if you think cans, I mean, there's a shortage of cans. Yep. And then aluminum price is the highest it's been in 10 years. So you're going to see that level of spiking happening. So for us, for those of you friends that are in the supply chain like I am, buckle up, enjoy the ride because it's, it's going to be a little bumpy. Um, but I wish I could tell you it's going to get better right away, but I don't think it's going to get better right away. I think it's going to take us a few more months uh, of very tight supply issues, and then another half a year to get inventories where they need to be. Sure. We're, we're, we're on a bumpy flight, and there's a lot of turbulence, and it ain't going to end anytime soon. But eventually, there'll be clear, clear skies, hopefully, and uh, we'll get through it. Uh, here's a question. I've heard that Jack Daniels dumpster, dumpster dive where dumpsters were literally dumped in the parking lot to engage with employees to understand uh, what was being thrown away. How was that? So uh, you get back to, you know, you have to use a lot of things, right? And anytime you throw something away or discard something, there's an inefficiency there. Tell us about the the, the Jack Daniels dumpster dive. That is really cool. So, so let me put it in context. So for us, our goal was, and, and we made it, so we're very proud of that, is to be zero waste to the landfill, right? So what that means is that all of the waste we generate across all of our facilities across the world, less than 1% goes to the landfill, right? So this is everywhere. Everything. Jack was the first one that did this. And one of the ways, in order for us to figure out how do you eliminate the waste that is going to the landfill is you have to understand your waste. So we took these dumpsters, we dumped them in the um, parking lot at Jack. We had a bunch of our employees come in and we dove through them, trying to understand what was it that we were throwing away that went to the landfill. To see firsthand, see to firsthand see. and what their role is to help with that, right? Exactly. So it was to understand what was being thrown away and more importantly, to engage them into figuring out, okay, so how do we do this differently so that it doesn't make it to the landfill? Now, some of, some of it's still waste, but it could be recycled or it could be reused or it could be repurposed. So for us was trying to figure out how do you first reduce the waste, but then how do you send it through the right channels so that it does not end up in the landfill? And I mean, really proud to say that Jack Daniels is zero waste, zero 
it only tends to purposes, right? Less than 1%. So Sure. And all good, ultimately, for the brown foreman bottom line, right? Obviously. But Definitely. also great for the environment as well and efficiencies through the entire uh, food chain. Uh, for uh, And clearly, brown foreman has, an, uh, has a vision of the importance of engaging the broader employee base in uh, Brown Foreman's overall sustainability efforts, right? And yeah. your efforts kind of getting the employees engaged in that little exercise is an example of that, right? Definitely. And, and, and for us, I mean, in order for us to make this long-term meaningful change, we have to have the full organization engaged. And the people that are running our facilities, the people that are engaged in the day-to-day operation, they know where the waste is and the ideas come from them. So for, for us, like the dumpster dive, these efforts add up to a larger impact for Brown Foreman. Um, you know, as, as I said, we reach our zero waste goal, but we did it because we had people in Jack, we had people at Radura. We have people here in our Louisville operations. Everybody's done the dumpster dives and everybody's coming up with waste or ways to eliminate waste. The, the most current example is in California. You know, there's a drought yeah. and, and we have our winery in, in Sonoma, um, in Santa Rosa. And um, the team there has started an effort. It's called Every Drop Counts, which is Every employee is looking at ways to reduce water use in the winery in, and in the processing and in the fields in order for us to conserve water. And, uh, and that's a different goal, but it's exactly what we got to do because we need everyone to be fully aware and help us do this. Right? No doubt. And obviously critically needed in California for sure. Uh, obviously, Brown Foreman and Jack Daniels and Whitford Reserve, uh, Herdura, y'all are one of the largest distilled spirits companies in the world. Would you have anything to share for the smaller craft distillers? You know, uh, 15, 16 years ago, there were probably 60 to 70 great distilleries in the United States. And today there's over 2,250 uh, in communities all across the United States. Would you have any insights to share for those great uh, little distilleries that are popping up, competitors, mind you, which I recognize, but also a great American success story in, in its own right. Any thoughts to share with those uh, craft distilleries around, around the country on, on sustainability? Well, so let me start with saying that it doesn't matter your size, right? So we all have to do our part. So if you're small, if you're big, understand what you're doing and start there. Now, start small. You don't have to have big goals and you don't have to think about 2030 or 2045. You know, think about this year, day by day, quarter, yeah. day by day. Think about the fact that redu reduction of waste or reducing the use of resources is actually good for your business. So you can make incremental changes because those will add up. The other thing is when it comes to sustainability, I'm a firm believer that we don't compete with each other. We help each other. So figure out, use discus, use other organizations to help you understand what is it that other people are doing so that then you can try to do it in your facility. Engage your employees. Please, please, please. 
They care about the environment. They care about their jobs. They care about their families, just like you do as a business owner, as an entrepreneur. So talk to them, get them engaged in the process. We, as I was saying earlier, we often get the best ideas on how to be more efficient from our employees, from the people that are working on the line and running the operation day to day. And then reach out to your partners. So we know you buy glass, you know, we know you buy grain. We know. So whenever possible, reach out to your partners and find out how do we collaborate? How can you make something different to help save money, to help save energy, to help improve the um, footprint for everybody? Everybody, everybody. And that's great for, for our precious industry as well. And Alex, as you know, and for all of our, our viewers, uh, Discus uh, has teed up a sustainability committee. We're about a year old, or so we're still in our infancy. Uh, but would you have some views on the possibility, certainly with Discus, but the industry to come together? As you mentioned, you know, sustainability and protecting the environment is a team sport, and it doesn't ha really have to be competitive because we can all learn from each other and so forth. Uh, so, would you have some thoughts uh, to share? on Discus's early efforts, and we're uh, looking forward to hopefully kicking off a project to work with uh, the National Labs on uh, addressing biomass uh, challenges that you referred to. And, you know, there could be uh, opportunities on wastewater management, obviously, uh, carbon footprint and so forth. So your thoughts on uh, industry-wide or effort to get after sustainability collectively? So, so to me, I think that as I said earlier, this is an area where we don't compete, where we have to work together. And to me, Discus is the right place for that collaboration to happen. And um, so to have an even stronger focus on sustainability topics, because we as an industry have to work together to reduce our combined footprint and to find solutions. Because no, people are making commitments to 2045 and 2050. There's no company that knows how to get there. We're all counting on technology, the technology, innovation, ingenuity, agility of all of us, right? So if I think, how do we do this? Well, some companies are innovating, innovating in terms of materials for our products. Let's talk about what those innovators, innovations look like and how do we make them sustainable and affordable across the industry? We're talking about specifically in the U.S., what do we do about our recycling infrastructure? I mean, even if I wanted to say that I want 100% recycled glass for my bottles, you cannot source 100% recycled glass in the U.S. The because the system is not there. So right. how do we collaborate across our industry and within the larger food and beverage industry to improve the recycle infrastructure in the U.S.? You know, how do we reach outside our industry to influence agricultural practices? to influence forestry practices. And um, Discus has the platform. Maybe, platform, maybe. Yeah, that's the right word. Yeah, has the platform and the influence to help us with that. And then as you talked about the, the byproducts, right? So how do we find solutions? How do we partner? How do we make sure that there are incentives so that byproduct processing is economically feasible? Um, across the country. And uh, then how do we work together to 
innovate in these areas is really important. How do we use discus to find partnerships with institutions to help us do this, not for Brown Foreman or not for Diageo or Bacardi, but to do it for everybody so that we can all benefit. Absolutely. An example of that would be uh, back in February, we launched a partnership Discus did with the EPA Energy Star program, right? And we're now in a benchmarking exercise working with the EPA to set up uh, Energy Star uh, distilleries all around the country Mm -hmm. as well. So, Alex, we had our uh, big conference last week in Austin, and uh, sustainability certainly was a theme of that conference. Uh, but, uh, you know, sustainability comes in all different forms. And uh, tell us about, uh, which is awesome, the BUILD program, because that is another great component of sustainability, and that's all about inclusion. Could you tell us about the Brown Foreman BUILD program? Yeah, and, and again, just give you context, right? So I have the big S that I call the ESGS, right? So yeah. and diversity and inclusion and caring of our communities is part of the bigger S. So I am, I'm proud to be the executive sponsor of BUILD, which is our Blacks United in Leadership and Development, uh, which is our employee resource group for Brown Foreman. And um, it's really focused on how do you foster a culture where Black employees receive equitable opportunities for career growth and advancement, how do you influence the industry so that Black employees or African-American or brown people, Latinos, mis hermanos, how do we animal, join the industry? Animal, exactly. exactly. <laughs> how do we join the industry and how can we be successful in an industry? So for us, so if I think about Brown Forman, specifically what we're doing with Build, um, one of the things that we've done is focusing on allies. So who are allies? You know, who are people that are not black, um, but that are interested in educating themselves and understanding their biases and their privilege so that we can try to change what's going on. And it requires those allies to work together to make a change. Um, So for me, I mean, that's just one of the many efforts that we have, but it's something that Brown Foreman believes in. And just like we have it for BUILD, um, we have another group called COPA, which is focused on Latinos. We have GROW for women. And uh, for us, ensuring that we focus on development and success of our employees um, is very important. Because we know we know the most diversified companies are the most profitable and most successful and connect with consumers as well. So there's a component of... Uh, all of these components uh, make make a great company. And thank you and Brown Foreman uh, for your leadership in that regard. Do you, you think, Alex, and will the industry, just from a ESG perspective, environmental uh-huh. sustainability perspective, and maybe even the diversity perspective as well, do you think we're going to see uh, strong progress for the industry in the next five to 10 years uh, do you see that commitment? It's Some of this stuff's not going to be easy. It's going to take a yeah. full thwarted effort and commitment. But are you optimistic about the possibilities for the industry? I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm seeing strong signs from industry leaders like Brown Foreman, where we're making commitments, public commitments that say things need to change and uh, we're going to do everything to change it. Now, 
there has to be a significant cultural shift, shift specifically in diversity. You know, our industry in the United States is not the most gender nor racially diverse. Yeah. So for us, we're going to have to make some cultural changes to ensure that the people that we bring in, that they're successful, that we support them, that they um, are given the opportunities to grow. And that as an industry that we accept them, right? So, and that requires some cultural shifts uh, that I believe we're ready to make, but it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. Absolutely. And I'm proud to say uh, Discus uh, last June launched a DEI committee. And uh, your uh, Cynthia Williams is serving as co chair. Uh, Cynthia Williams with uh, Brown Foreman is serving as co chair with that committee. And uh, I know on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council and the Board of Directors, there is a full board commitment uh, to, to make progress inch by inch, step by step, person by person, and really uh, build on uh, the build programs and Brown Foreman's commitments and many of our other member company uh, commitments as well. Okay, now we get down, Alex, to the to kind of the fire round uh, okay. uh, perspective. Of course, I'm sure you've been navigating the challenges of the pandemic and the Delta variant and all the challenges associated with that. And I suspect you may not have been traveling as much as you typically would have <laughs> yep. the pandemic. But if you could be anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world and have a cocktail. Uh, where's that one place you would want to be and what kind of cocktail would you have? Well, so that's a hard question because I have lived in a lot of different places. You know, my home is Panama, but I lived in Mexico and that's my adoptive home. I also lived in Norway for old places, polar opposites and and all over the U S. So instead of picking a specific geographical place, I'm just going to talk about the beach. I am a beach guy. I love the ocean. I love the sand. I love the sun. And uh, so if you, if I had to pick a place, I want to be on the beach. And any particular cocktail, any particular cocktail? It would be an Herradura Reposado. So tequila Reposado with a little bit of club soda and lime. That is my most favorite beach cocktail. Not bad, not bad. I've had the privilege of being t- at the uh, Herradura Distillery, and it may be, it's in near Guadalajara, obviously, near Jalisco, I think. Forgive me if I've got that yes, wrong. You're correct. A while back, but it is beautiful. It's a beautiful place in itself. So, well, Alex, on behalf of the Distilled Spirits Council and Spirited Advocate Podcast, thank you for your leadership. Uh, I hope. Uh, more great things to come in the pipeline, certainly for Discus to play a role in supporting our great members like Brown Foreman and y'all's sustainability efforts, certainly making progress on inclusion and diversity as well. And hopefully we get through this turbulence that we're all experiencing on supply chain. Uh, we fly through it in good shape uh, in the coming months. And we stay strong as an industry. So, Alex, on behalf of Discus, thank you. And great cheers with a Woodford Reserve cocktail right here. I got a little sip right here. (laughs) Awesome. No, thank you, Chris, for inviting me. Have a good one. And I look forward to collaborating on this with the rest of the industry. And uh, cheers to all. You got it, Alex. Thank you. 
The Spirited Advocate podcast was brought to you by the Distilled Spirits Council of the United States. If you'd like to be a guest speaker on the show or send us topic suggestions to cover, please contact us at podcast at distilledspirits.org. And please like and share these episodes. Your support is very appreciated.